Welcome to the Sendcast. My name is Dale Pickles. I'm the Managing Director of B Squared and the host of the Sendcast. If you are a new listener, then welcome to the Sendcast. The aim of the podcast is simple. We want to reach lots of people and help you all learn more about special educational needs and disability. You could be a teacher, a TA, a parent, a carer. It's here to help. This week, my guest is Victoria Ellen. Victoria is a late-diagnosed autistic adult. She is an autistic speaker and researcher and uses her knowledge and experience to educate and inform others via speaking or as a content creator. This week, we're discussing girls on the spectrum and autistic experiences of puberty. The Sendcast is created and produced by us here at B-Squared. We are the assessment people. We help schools to show the small steps of progress pupils with SEND make. We help schools to show that progress for a wide range of abilities and ages. But did you know you can also use B-squared assessment software for more than just your SEND pupils? You can now assess all pupils in one system, saving you time and money, as well as simplifying the whole assessment process. Visit the B-Squared website or click on the meeting link in the show notes to book a meeting with me so I can take you through what our assessment software can do for you. Let's get on with the podcast. In this week's show, we're discussing experience of puberty for girls on the autistic spectrum. My guest this week is Victoria Ellen. Victoria is a late-diagnosed autistic adult. She is a speaker, researcher, and content creator under the alias Actually Aspling. Victoria uses her knowledge and experiences to educate and inform others, as well as providing resources and advice. Welcome to the show, Victoria. Hello. Thank you for having me on your podcast. You are welcome. In my household growing up, puberty never happened. It was never discussed or acknowledged. It just wasn't there. I had two older sisters and I knew nothing about periods or anything around girls in that sort of way, apart from what we learned in biology. Now, that was a long time ago. Things have improved. But now I have two teenage daughters of my own. I am learning so much about this whole world. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is a thing, especially when I was growing up in my household. We never really discussed it either. And the information I learned at school was very scarce. So I honestly grew up feeling like I didn't actually learn anything. I had to figure it out by myself. And that was like really difficult because it's a lot to process in one go, especially with all the changes that are happening. So, yeah. For us boys, it is a lot simpler. There's not a huge amount going on in reality. There's a few surprises. Um, but for girls, there's, there's a whole lot more. And I've mentioned I've got my teenage daughters and one of them, is autistic and a sharer. Yeah. The moment everything started, the bras, everything, she shared. And I, and I love the fact, I generally had no idea how to respond, but she was fine with that because we have a good relationship. And I do have to make lots of water bottles. I think sometimes it's seen as embarrassing, but I think it's more embarrassing for parents. I know for me, I'm very open and I like your daughter, I share things a lot. So when I was going through it, I was like, yay, let's tell the world. And it was my parents that were embarrassed about it rather than it being me. That's the thing. I'm not embarrassed about it. I'm, I'm interested. But I, again, I reflect on my sisters and I'm going, 
I do not remember any of this. I remember no hot water bottles. Oh, that's the thing. I don't remember having a full-on conversation, but also the signs that we go on. The other signs that happen. You see, oh, in the office, <laughs> there was a lady who suffered from period pain, so we called it Chocolate Week because I always had to throw chocolate at her that week. <laughs> so there are signs I get as I'm older. And, it, and I look back at my childhood and going, none of it happened. None of it was there. Or it did there and I know I was oblivious. I don't know. But yeah, as a parent, my daughter is open and I love that. And we have a great relationship and she shares stuff in the way that I wouldn't repeat. And I love the fact that she's open to share. And I also like the fact she keeps sharing because it means my reaction is okay. I think that's so important that it just becomes one of those things that is so natural that you feel like you can talk about. I think that's really important to just make it a thing in everyday life rather than going around the topic, just being so open with yeah. it. And it is really interesting. Just as a bloke, you are, I'm, that's the thing is I see things in news and I see things in social media where there are some very strange things said by men about periods and stuff, which are for me, I really entertaining, but I also know that I was probably as naive in my 20s. So I don't blame them for being naive. And as you said, you've had to find your way on your own. There is some stuff out there and the internet's made it life so much better. But if you felt you were finding out on your own, the bloke in your class really had no idea. And it's not until men get girlfriends and men learn what happens in times of the month and it's not just during the day and things like that, that we learn all about it all. But it's even things like, I'm going, oh, I want, I want to go on to a hot country. And my wife, I wouldn't. Okay, why not? She went, depending on what week it is, depending on how many of us can actually go swimming. I'm going, that never entered my mind. Yeah, there's lots of little things like that people are just oblivious to, I guess. Like the whole, like, I relate to that. Like when it's that time, it's like you can't go swimming. There's certain things you can and can't do. Yes. And that's the thing is I'm, I am, I'm a very, I say conservative, that's it. From my background, no discussions. But for my daughter, I can have discussions. And my daughter's, don't do tampons. Yeah. They do pads. I think, I don't know how common that is. Yeah, there's certain ideas. No, not doing that. That's not going anywhere. No, pad only. Which again, has lots of limitations then elsewhere as well. Yeah, I totally understand that. I'm exactly the same. There's some things that are just like a sensory nightmare. And I think once you get focused on the idea of that, you're just like so like rigid. It's like, no, nope, never. And then that's it. So in my head I'm going, but surely again, Lots of other women do it. Don't say that ever. I've learned these things quite quickly in life. That's the thing is, it's, I've learned my girls set their rules and I have to accept and respect. Yeah. Yeah, that's so important. Yeah. <laughs> I may not understand them. They may be very personal, but that's their rules. And I live by them. And one of my, my eldest, I would say, I don't know when her time I literally I don't know there's not much sharing by my youngest she, it, she gets grumpy and then a few days later she goes oh let me get the hot water bottles out and she spends the evening and that's the thing so I watch my daughter 
go through things. I have no idea if her how if her if she's having a different experience due to being autistic. Is it's just a lot I don't know as a parent. You probably it's always individual. Probably is the answer. Yeah, I think that's really common as well. That as a parent, it can be so difficult unless you're so open about it to know exactly what your child is experiencing, which is why it is so important to talk about it. And I think being autistic does make it a lot worse in some aspects. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and I was doing a thing before I became this podcast, I did some research. I've worked with a lot of schools in Scotland and one of the head teachers I know pretty well. I think I arrived in her office and she just had this huge table just full of tampons. And after a good couple of hours, I went, okay, that is a lot of tampons. Please explain. And she went through and told me about all this whole the period poverty and the research her daughters were in secondary school did. And it's like 30% of girls skip classes because of painful periods. 60% don't feel comfortable talking to a teacher. There's another one which says, I think it was like 90 or 100% have had painful periods in the last three months. And interesting, what they said is what is normal? Yeah. So in my research, what is normal? Do I just have to man up or girl up with this pain and just deal with it? Or is this not right? That's a really good question because everyone is so different and what might be your normal is not the same as someone else's, I guess. But it is really shocking. And I do think that in terms of like period pains specifically, schools need to do more because the fact that someone is saying, I'm not going to go to my class because of it, that is like telling you something. Yeah. That's the thing is, as a boy's point of view, it'll be like, what? And yeah, the description my daughter's used, when you have no idea what it feels like for, I'm not going to say it, because it's quite a visual description. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, and there's no way I could even try to comprehend how that would feel. And also, as you work and live with lots of women in your life, and if you know them to a certain level, some of them will share. They're not everything, but they will literally say, it's not a great week this week. Or, and you go, oh, oh okay. But that's as much as you know, unless you really, unless you live with someone, you don't really know. But yeah, how do you know how bad your pain is compared to the person sitting next to you? That's it. You don't really, unless you talk about it. But even then, it's your experience. You don't have the same experiences as like the person sat next to you. So you don't really know. No. So around the, if, if you just focus on the periods and, and autism, what are the challenges around, well, what have you found? What have you, in your research and talking to people, have you found are the challenges around periods and autism? I think the main thing that I have found is the sensory side of things. That is the most prominent. It's what most people have said to me. It's like the heightened sensory awareness is just unbearable because you can be so physically aware of something to the point where you're hyper-focusing on it and then it takes over like your whole day and it can be an absolute nightmare. <laughs> Okay, so when you said hyper-focus, I literally think everything becomes hyper-focused, but no, you're literally hyper-focusing on those sensations going on within you and everything else goes out the window. Yes, yeah, because you're just like, oh, I can feel this and oh, that's not sitting right and oh no, 
every little thing and you're thinking, try and do something else. But then your brain just goes, yeah, but that thing is still there. And it's so hard to like switch it off. I know what you mean. If you, if I say, don't think of an elephant, everyone's probably now thought of, why am I thinking of an elephant? It's that sort of thing. You focus on these things, especially if you've got an event coming up, it's hard to move it. But turn that into a sensory thing going on within you. Yeah, I can imagine. No, I can't. <laughs> I can try to imagine. And the thing is, it's not just one sensory thing. There's like several things. And to have them all going on at once just makes it so much worse. Okay, as a bloke, I'm going several sensory things and I'm not 100% <laughs> sure. So I'm going to be the muggle who has no idea and ask the, if you're happy to share and discuss the several. Yeah, yeah. So there's things like you're actually feeling your menstrual flow. So you can actually feel that. Then there's things like your period pains, your aches, your cramps. And then there's the feeling of sanitary products as well, depending on what you choose. They're sticky, they're uncomfortable, they smell weird. So you've got all these things to contend with all at once. Yep. And it's very overwhelming. Yes. I, think, I don't think, again, not in the room when it happened, but from my understanding is she doesn't enjoy the product. She doesn't enjoy disposing of them, any of that. It's all, I think, just icky. Yeah. And- Wishes she just it just didn't happen. I think that's very common. <laughs> that's the simplest way of shortening down what she says is I just wish this didn't happen ever. You have no idea what it's like to do this every and I yeah, that's the thing. I really do not understand. <laughs> and the thing the thing with products is you can get like choice paralysis. Like for me, when I first started my periods, I got given what my mum used. But then when you go to the shop and you look all the products on the aisle there's so many different brands different colors different shapes different sizes and you're just there like well how do i know which one i need it can be really difficult and then you might buy something yes. and then you think oh well, i don't like that one and then you have to go back and start again that's the thing is as a bloke walking down the aisle you literally going surely they do the same job i get the colors now i understand flows i get that <laughs> <laughs> but it is it's a whole weird world and I get the different shapes of underwear different sh- and I, but it is a whole world and that's me looking at a bloke but uh, when it's you as a woman you're choosing but also you're not it's hard to have that conversation with the next person as well yeah and as an autistic person it's just, it can be so overwhelming because even though the brands probably all do the same thing for me personally, I was so particular on the brand I liked. Okay. And if the shop, like I didn't have that, I would melt down because that is what I was used to. I have to have that one. And yes, even though, they, like you say, they do all do the same thing. But for an autistic person, if you find a specific one, then that's it. But it's, it's the same way is, is um very different topic is, uh, uh, my nephew has cheese sandwiches and I think that one day they're out of her normal cheese so my sister got cheese slices and he literally hadn't, couldn't comprehend that he didn't have to cut it he just had to open the pack it's that sort of I have a process it opens this way it does this I do this that's how it works that's what I'm used to it's, I'm supposing that's part of that as well yeah it's that thing of you get so used to the same thing it's like a routine in that way that when it changes and it's not the same 
it can be really hard to process and understand that. And I think sometimes you're aware of, okay, this is different, but it's hard to kind of adapt to that because you're like, I know it's different and I can see it's different, but my brain is telling me that I get, I don't like this. But I suppose in that moment, that is your probably your capacity to accept change is at its lowest. Yeah. And you can think like logically and rationally about it, but your brain can still be like, yeah, but it's not the same. And it's interesting. I've had conversations with my daughter who, who will say to me, I know this is stupid or I know this is weird, but it just is. That thing, I love the fact she can recognize that what she's doing is a little bit bonkers and she knows it is, but she still has to do it that way. Yeah, I love that because I'm exactly the same. So I know I do this weird thing and I have to do things this way. Yeah, I get that. But I, yeah, I still have to do it. It still has to be that way. And that's the thing is, what I like about my daughter is I just say to her, I have my rules. I know my rules. All I want to know is what your rules are. And then I can follow them. And I can, and sometimes she has her rules. She can't explain them, but we work them out. But sometimes she doesn't know what her own rules are, which is always fun because it's never the same, is it? No, it can change quite a lot. And that can be really frustrating, especially for parents, I guess. that If you have things one way and then suddenly it's like, you don't know what the rules are or they change. For an autistic person, yeah, it's overwhelming. But for a parent, it can be like, oh, okay, the rules have changed. What do I do now? Yeah. And for me, it is, it's, it's really, sometimes you, you go to react. We don't, you don't, you just, but this is what we, okay, it's different. Okay, don't react. Don't understand. And that's the thing is, my daughter will go to bed with a hot water bottle, which is fine in December. It's fine in January. Not in the middle of August. I do that. I have a hot water bottle for the cramps, but then I have like a fan on because I get too hot. So I can, I can balance it out. Yep. She has a hot water bottle and the fan. <laughs> yes. And that's the thing. I literally, I look at my daughter and it's like, she'll get in from school and just go to, she literally gets in and goes hot water bottle and goes to bed. Yeah. I think that's quite a common thing. <laughs> it's comforting. And it's like, do you want to watch TV? And she's like, no. I'm like, surely it would help. Would it not? No. No, it's distracting. No. Yeah. She is. I think she's kind of, as you said, she's just overloaded with everything. Yeah. And sometimes you just need time away by yourself to like regulate, I guess. Yeah. That's the thing. So it is all I do is I just open the door, don't even stick my head in and she'll respond positively or negatively. And I just go with that. That's the thing, you know. So it's like, don't say anything, just leave them to it and just, yeah, it's probably the best thing yeah. to do. <laughs> but it must be really, because that's the thing is girls, you, they do. And again, knowing now working education, I know they do the relationship education through primary school and they think they start to talk about periods from year five onwards and stuff. Might be earlier, but I think it's year five. But I think I'm hoping it's getting better, but I think it's more about the, this is what will happen, maybe not how it feels or anything like that. And then you have that and then you're right, right off you go. Yeah, it's very common that, especially for autistic people, unless you're really explicit, then it can be really hard to know that. It's like they say to you, this is what's going to happen. And I'm like, all oh, right, okay, that's fine. But then when it happens to me, I'm like, oh, they never told me that it was going to actually happen to me. I thought it was just something we had to learn about just because, you know, yeah. Yeah. 
And literally, from a boy's point of view in secondary school, when they talk about the uterus and all that shedding, I'm going, oh, so it's just like they go to the toilet once. Kind of thing. It kind of doesn't explain in the boy's side of things much more than that. Yeah, and I think it needs to be more detailed. I remember oh, when I was in, I think, year eight or nine, I had the sex education class and we got told a, a story about a sperm called Sammy. And <laughs> it was the most embarrassing story ever. And I learned nothing. I, I honestly learned nothing from that. And I went home and I asked my mom, Mom, um, did you know that sperm are called Sammy? Are they all called Sammy? Or do they have different names? And I genuinely had no idea that you don't name them and that it was just a story. But I didn't know that. <laughs> That's the thing, it's, it's always interesting how they try and teach sex ed and the way they do it. Because when I'm, I'm a significantly older than you, and it was done in science when I was at secondary school. It was a science thing with bad drawings and not much else going on. I think my sister, who was older than me, somehow it came into RE. Well, it might, might mean just the contraceptives in RE, but I remember her coming home and telling us that her science, her RE teacher showed her how to put on a condom today. And it was a bit, what? Uh, and my mum went, she went, on a banana. Okay, that's better. Slight misunderstanding of phrasing. But it was, I would say that most young people never feel, oh, that's what's going to happen and understand it. You get the medical point of view, the semen and the egg, sperm and the egg and all that lot, you get all that, but not how it the emotional side. Yeah, you get told all these facts a lot of the time, but not how it's going to like physically and emotionally affect you. And that can be really hard because when it, you go through puberty and these changes do happen, you'll be like, oh yeah, I got told this, but then suddenly everything happens at once and you have like mood swings and problems with friendships and things like that. And you're not prepared for any of it. And you just you no. just think back and you're like, oh yeah, that silly story that I got told and nothing else. I liked the film um, Inside Out, the Disney film. Yeah, I've I've not seen it. I've heard how good it is, but I I still need to watch it. So it's obviously about emotions, and you have happy and sad and anger and and then basically this girl. It's sort of like, but what I love about it is at the end of the film, so she's got like a keyboard with different buttons on it. It's like, oh, let's say 15 buttons for different emotions. And then I think she's like 11 or 12, so they install a keyboard with like 500 buttons on. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what does this button do? And I'm like, yes, that's teenageness. Yeah, I love that. That is exactly how you explain it. But it's like when you're it's- in school, how do you explain that to pupils? And it was, I just watched it. I went, yeah, that is literally it. I've now been given these 500 buttons and you expect me to get it right from this moment on. Yeah. It's trial and it's yeah, trial it and error, figuring out what does this do? And it's not, they don't all arrive at the same time. And you might get your extra big keyboard and buttons a year before your friend. But they might get something else before you. And so it's all, it's not a uniform thing. It's not like everyone gets the same. And you're all... Dealing with yourself and balancing everyone else. Which can be really, I think that's really difficult because I know for me, all my friends started puberty a lot earlier 
And they were all having these conversations and I didn't have any idea what was going on. And I found it so difficult because I was like, what are you talking about? I've not experienced this. And I felt so singled out and isolated because of that. Yeah. That's the thing is everyone else is doing something and you're not. Yeah. And it's so hard because I felt like I had to pretend that I knew what they were talking about. And even though I didn't, I was like, I'm just going to lie because maybe you'll still be friends with me if I can come up with some thing just so you can talk to me. The only thing I literally, I'm having flashbacks to secondary school and it was literally for boys, it was, do you have hair down there? That was the big thing. Yeah. And it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What do you mean hair down? Yeah. It is, yeah. It was just, it's that you wanted to be included. You wanted to be the same, but you really didn't know what they're on about. Yeah. And I think the language people use does not help. They use colloquialisms and silly stories and, I don't get how people are supposed to learn from that. It doesn't tell you anything. It doesn't give you the fact this is going to happen. I think the biggest thing which everyone misses out is the emotional. That's it, is emotions is really is the biggest thing. And my daughter with her autism, she had certain traits early on. But we were like, okay, we'll see what happens. And she got through primary school without it really impacting. There were sensory ran clothes and things like that. We just, you can manage that thing most of the time. With It was manageable. So we, yes, yeah, fine. It's when she hits secondary and girls and puberty and socializing, that's when she really started to struggle. Why are they saying this? Why are they doing it? all those sorts of things along with the period pains, along with everything else, that's when she really struggled. I think everything changes when you go to high school. Like the academic workload increases, which is difficult. You've got all your friendships to manage and social demands are increased. There's so much more you have to contend with because primary school, you've got a small class. When you go to like high school, there's so many more people and so many more conversations. And it's a lot to juggle. And emotionally, that can be hard. It can be tiring. And it can be, like, as an autistic person, really hard to understand, okay, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling this way? And so hard to regulate the emotion. Definitely. And it is. You just watch her. And some days she just comes home and she goes to bed. And it's generally, when she has a bad day, it's not really to do with any two of the lessons or the teachers. It's always what was going on and either just really going, I don't know why they're doing it, misunderstanding, or maybe not understanding how she comes across and she's perceived. All those things, it's really hard to tell your daughter, well, it's partly your fault, but you're oblivious to it being partly your fault because but it's not really part of your fault. It's just because you're autistic and there's no allowance being made. And you just sit there going, and you don't want, I don't want my daughter to change. But I also want her to be happier, which is, doesn't, they don't work. I think. <laughs> in the world currently. That is a big thing. Parents do want their kids to be happy. That, that's just a natural thing, I guess. But the thing that gets me is teachers will say, oh yeah, they're fine during the day. There's nothing going on. And as you say, in the classroom, in the lessons, you can be fine. 
the teachers don't see the social side of things. No. And also my daughter will just mask. She just masks. She doesn't get into trouble. She is just Miss Goody Two-Shoes in school. It comes out at home, which isn't always, obviously, it's not always fun, but in reality, I'd rather she felt like she could release at home. I, in the world the way it is at the moment, she needs to conform in schools. She needs to get live survive it and conform and yeah she can then release at home and we'll do that but I think the other thing which has helped her is keeping her busy I think that's really helped because otherwise she just sits at home analyzing or just sitting on TikTok or whatever worrying you can ruminate over it that is the thing and then you can get like anxiety from it and loads of other emotions yep. So it is really, really good to kind of keep yourself busy. And um, I highly recommend cadets. Yeah. If you have a child, boy or girl, 13 upwards, I think all of them are. Army cadets, Air Force cadets, sea cadets, I think. There's fire cadets. My daughter joined the air cadets. What's lovely, and it is literally a very autistic-friendly place because there's lots of rules you have to follow, and if you don't follow them, you're in trouble. And the rules are very clear. There's no adapting them. There's no, I'll follow it today. It's everyone has to follow those rules, which means everyone does. So therefore, my daughter knows exactly what's expected of her and therefore expected of her, and they all follow it, which makes her very comfortable. That sounds perfect. It does. It's things like guides and brownies and scouts and things like that are really good as well. But I think yes. there's less of a strictness with those. and Rules can change. Yeah. Whereas the army, the, the, I think with the cadets, they are, there's the parading, which my daughter finds a bit interesting, but it is, there's just rules of you do this, then this happens. And we get a calendar of what's going on. So she always knows what's it going to be when she gets there, what they're doing. And she enjoys it. She doesn't come home with the same issues she comes with from school because the sort of people who go there are the ones who want to follow the rules. Yeah, they're the kind of kids who want to actually be there. Yes. So they're the ones who go, right, even if I don't like the rule, I know I've got to follow it because I want to be a pilot or I want to do this or whatever it is. So for her, it's great. And it's great because it's two nights a week. So yeah, highly recommend keeping your children busy and cadets is something to really look into. I think as well, a lot of kids don't want to be at school. Big thing. So it's like they don't want to actually be there. So they're going to like not pay attention and mess about. And if you're autistic in the classroom, that can be really off-putting. Yes. That's the thing is, yeah, for me, I always, personally, I always need to know why am I doing this? Where am I going? I don't know. Are you the same, that sort of thing? Yeah, I like to understand. If I don't know why I'm doing something, then what's the point in doing it? I think that is quite, a lot of me, that's quite a typical thing in neurodiverseness. Yeah. Why am I doing this? This. Okay, I'll do it. So now my daughter's into cadets and she's liking the idea of joining the Air Force. And she's in year nine. She's got options and she's going, right, what do you want to be? She's like, I don't know. I want to join the Air Force. We'll just go have a look at the careers. So now we're looking at the careers. We're now looking at what she needs. So now she's knowing, why am I bothering in science? Because I want to be do physics. I want to do that. I want to 
So it's now giving her a, why am I doing this? Yeah, which is great. I guess on the other hand, with that, it's like, well, the subjects that aren't going to help you with that, it's like, well, why am I doing these now? I don't need these. <laughs> I do think there's a lot of schools, I think partway through year nine, once they make those things, they're like, yeah, I'll just stop bothering in that subject now. And my head are going, yeah, fine. I'm happy with that. Yeah, don't bother with this language you're not doing. Don't bother with the that you're not doing. Completely happy with that. But I think a lot of schools, I think they struggle partway through towards the end of year nine with all those kids just really giving up. I think on those areas. If it's something you're interested in, you're more motivated to take part and do it. If it's something that you're doing because you're told you have to, you you don't want to do it. No. So puberty and girls. We've talked about periods, which I'm guessing is the biggest impact. Yeah, I would say so. Yes. In terms of time that I know it impacts, it's, it is the biggest impact. And the fact it's always, it's not like this is going to happen every four weeks on a Monday. It'll be finished by Thursday and it'll feel like this every time. The fact that's never set in stone probably isn't great. But that's not the only part of puberty for girls, is no, it? No, there's loads of other things like for example, like physical growth, growing like hair and breasts and your bones growing and it's a lot. Yes. So the first time I met you was at the autism show in London and you did a talk which was hugely popular. Yeah. Huge. It was brilliant. And I queued up to talk to you and the per- I found it fascinating because the person in front of you went, what bra are you wearing? And then you showed her your bra. <laughs> I'm very open with things like that because if something helps me, I'm more than happy to, to share that. I can't, I can't describe it to you, so I'm going to have to show you. <laughs> and for me, because at the autism show, you wear um, headphones. It's really good because it's silent, very autistic friendly. So I didn't hear the talk. I just went, that's a really big topic. That's going to be amazing. So I had no idea what you really talked about. And the fact you just went, yeah, here's my bra. And, you, and I was like, that's not a normal question and a normal response after a talk. <laughs> no. But I know, but listening to the next person who then asked the exact same question, I went, okay. So what was the reason everyone was so interested in your bra? I think because bras can be so uncomfortable. They're absolutely awful. And it's just like the sanitary product thing. There's so many different ones. And it is a common thing that sensory wise they're not nice so I wear specific ones that are way more comfortable and I think comfort for autistic people is a really big thing so a lot of people just wanted to know because I think I mentioned it in my talk that when your breasts grow and you have to wear a bra you're told you have to so you have to go for something that is the most comfortable and I guess people were just curious because They want to feel comfortable. So they were just asking me just so I could be like, yeah, this is what I choose. But if I remember correctly, I think it was you don't wear an underwired underwired bra, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I don't like them. So, yeah, so I get that. I've hung out washing. You can feel these solid metal bars in Mm. there going on. Yeah, I can imagine that doesn't always feel the most comfortable. No, because sometimes the wire pokes out and... They're just really like rigid and structured. And I just, I I really don't like that. 
What was interesting is I looked it up and I was doing research. I then came across your Facebook group. Yeah. Where there was a whole discussion about what bra is best. And you literally, it was interesting. It wasn't like this is the bra. It was the polar opposites. Because you had those who were like, as soon as I get home, I take my bra off. And the next person was, I always wear sports bras. I like the being contained, being I like the scent, I like the deep tissue type feeling yeah. of it being held close. Yeah, everyone's so different in what they like. And again, it is just it's comfort. It's a comfort thing. And, and that's so it be really is from a bloke's point of view, it's like bras a bra, apart from that one stops them bouncing. <laughs> yeah. And that one shows a bit more. And if you haven't got much, that helps. That's kind of as a bloke, that's your knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's there's like more to it. There's like the cup shape, the material it's made of, if it's got wiring or not. There's just so many little things that as an autistic person, you have to like check because otherwise you just know it's going to be uncomfortable. So you growing up, what, was it a case of your mum went, here's your bra? Was it a journey you went together? Was it a great journey? Was it a bad journey? I really do not remember much from my childhood at all. I remember going to, I think it was Marks and Spencers and buying, I don't even know. I think they, I think they were, like they had wire in at the time because it was one of those, everyone was wearing these sorts of bras. You had to, because when you're getting changed for PE, Everyone's like looking at what bra you're wearing. So you have to like conform. Never, I never entered my mind. At that. <laughs> That's just one of those things that you, like when you are getting changed for PE, people do look around. And I remember there was one time where I went to school and I forgot to wear my bra and it didn't bother me at all. But then the girls used to go around and ping the back of your bra strap and I wasn't wearing a bra and I was bullied for like weeks because of it. So from then on, I had to like, remember, you have to wear a bra. You have to wear a bra. And it, yeah, it was awful. So now I'm at the point where I'm like, if I don't want to, I'm not going to. But in high school, you, you have to conform to those like norms and standards. Wow. Yeah. But it is, it's, I suppose, if you are a neurotypical person and your daughter's wearing a bra it, and she's not comfortable, you can't just say, oh, tough you've got to wear it you've got to go down that trying different options and trying to work out i think my daughter can't always tell me why she doesn't like something she just knows it's not right yeah and that can be as a parent can be really difficult so it's just trying to understand okay well let's look at this one and see what it's like maybe it's the style you don't like maybe it's the material and it's just trying to find something. And that can be so difficult because there's so many different options. And it is just a bra. I don't get why there's, there's that much choice. No, and it is because it only is you having to work that out. You're then having to talk about that to your parent. And that's the thing is, I want to be a dad who is, yeah, come to me with any problems, come to me, talk about anything. But there are just certain stuff that, it's a mum thing. <laughs> and I never want it there to be a mum thing. I want to be able to do it all, but I've got to that. I, I literally went there and went, you know what? I, it's not I don't care. Is I Actually, if that's what you prefer, I really don't care because you come to me on so many other things. 
I'm happy. And it is just realizing that some things is, I don't have experience. I don't understand. And my questions are probably really quite odd. And the bit I'm focusing on a difference in a bra is probably very different to what she's focusing on difference in a bra which makes sense to go to mum who has experienced it who knows what the different styles are and the different sizes and all that it kind of makes sense so periods bras uh, let's go to hair <laughs> is that an issue is that, i know uh, the whole shaving oh, and yeah as an adult now i am not bothered about shaving at all i, I it, in high school, it almost becomes ritualistic because it's something that you, it's like the bra, you have to shave. And if you don't, then people will look at you and be like, oh my God, you've got hairy legs. You've got hairy armpits. What are you doing? You're weird. I'm shaving my legs. Why aren't you? So you feel like you have to do that. Like it's one of those things. It all revolves around what other people are doing and then how you're perceived and how you're perceived changes your perception of yourself so obviously the fact you're not bothered tells me it's not something you enjoy <laughs> you did it because you had to but is was there is there sensory issues around the razor blades it's probably all of that gets thrown in as well yeah i only now as an adult use like actual razor blades i used to use like electronic shavers which are awful and the shaving itself isn't necessarily that bad for me personally it's the fact that as soon as you've shaved like the next day the hair's like starting to grow back and it's really like small and prickly and it's itchy and then I'm gonna have to shave again and again just to keep on top of it and it's like why am I doing this to myself yes I do a lot of talking about conformity especially at secondary school but I suppose I hadn't really thought about the level you have to conform and, and literally is almost every aspect of your physical self you have to conform yeah it's like I used to go into school and all my friends was they would straighten my hair for me because I had naturally curly hair they would do my makeup when I got to school as well they would untuck my shirt and change the way I was dressed and I guess for me I went along with it because I didn't want to get bullied and I knew that if I, I didn't do that and I was myself, I'd get called weird and I didn't want to be called weird. What's quite interesting, you, you're obviously very aware of all of that. You're very aware of I have to fit in, I have to do that. I personally was a bit oblivious to all of that about having to fit in. As I just went in as me and it didn't always go well. But I, so I think there's some people who go, everyone else does that, I should do that. And it's that observant that you sit there and go, oh, hang on, everyone's got the same bra on. And I, okay, I need to make sure mum buys me that bra. There's that, there are children who will do that, but then I suppose there are children who are just not observant and will go through and not understand what's going on around them. I think I was a little bit of both at first, because I can be very oblivious to things. At first I was oblivious. I didn't understand what was going on. And then people bullied me. And I realized that, oh, okay, so this is why they're bullying me. I have to do something about it. At first, I was like, why are you saying these things? And then when they'd say, oh, well, it's because of this, I'd be like, okay, I have to change that. 
And it's, it's interesting. My, my daughter went through, it wasn't horrific bullying, but it was my daughter has long, straight hair and she's dark brunette and she likes doing her thing and she just started getting called emo by everyone. And she's like, that's not me. And it was just because of her hairstyle was the main cause. The fact it was just dead straight, all at the same lengths. And I'm like, what can we do to not change her? It's change the people's perception of her. Yeah, and that can be really difficult. And it was like, I don't want to change you, but I just want... And, and, and interesting, it's like she also... My mum, my mum, my wife wears lots of black clothes. My kind of what my daughter picked up. Black's a great colour. It's a black and that hair. So it was like, right, try and just find some different tops, which you'll like. And we also, we, we got a cut of hair, so she got a bit of a fringe or bangs, whatever the current phrase is. And it, literally, a couple of little changes, it all stopped. Yeah, because teenagers will pick up on anything and they'll just suddenly like say something. And it's like, well, no. But they're going to say it anyway. So it's like, well, what do you do? And sometimes you feel like you have to make those little changes. It's a survival thing. But she couldn't make those decisions or changes on her own. It involved us discussing it. And it took a couple of weeks for us to sort of work through kind of, she could like, she tell me like six things and it was really obvious what was going on and she couldn't see it. She explained it. It's not that. And then she, and, and it just went through that journey, but it took time for me and her to have those conversations, identify what was causing it and then how could we change it. And then her not wanting to change but we haven't really changed her. We've just changed a couple of colours of the top she's wearing. It's not really changed her underneath. She can wear whatever she wants at home. So it's almost like she's putting an outfit, a persona on. Yeah. But she then, obviously in her head, in the same way, she went, I don't want to do it, but by doing this, life is easier. And sometimes that is, as an autistic person, what you have to do just to kind of get by, especially in high school. I think once you leave secondary, things do become a lot easier. Yes. And that, that's literally my two daughters. I literally say, all you've got to do is get to the end of year, the end of year 11 and then life is going to get so much better. Because yeah. at college, you seem, especially if you go to a proper college, not just stay on at your school, just it just feels different. You're almost like you're all adults. You can all be your own thing. There's so many of you that you don't have to conform because you can't conform when there's that many of you who are all slightly different. And then in the workplace, you go find work that suits you. You have your interests and life. It, but while you're in that school, you've got to fit in with whatever's going on in that school because it's easier. That, that is a, it's an ease thing. You do it. It becomes a coping mechanism that just to get by, you do that. And it is just reminding yourself that Come year 11, when you're done, that, that's it. That door is closed and a magical new one will open. Yes. And it is a real difference. And you might be listening to this podcast going, and might be having your child and going, should I help them to conform or should I let them to be, let them be themselves? For secondary school, what I would say is you probably are thinking about protecting them. Yeah. So I would... Uh, towards the conformity. Don't change them. Make sure they can be themselves at home and do all that. They, they don't fully understand. And if you can, as my daughter, my eldest, when she was into, went to secondary school, she really didn't care about clothes. 
And I remember uh, when I was at secondary school, I got bullied for having high-tech trainers, not Reebok, Pump, or Nike Air. Yeah, I had the wrong trainers. I got bullied. So I, I was literally going, right, so my daughter, I'm going to get some Adidas trainers because they're the thing. I'm going to get the three-striped Adidas tops. I'm literally just getting a load of stuff, which she was even oblivious to, but it made her invisible. Yeah, it's the, it's the things that you do and the lengths you'll go to just to go under the radar, I guess. And my daughter was oblivious. And I, we could have gone, not done that, and waited for her to be not happy and then kind of brought in some changes or reflected on my childhood of not enjoying bits and knowing oh, if only this was different and making that change and making my daughter invisible that she could be herself more and it wasn't negatively impacting. If you can conform, it sounds wrong saying you want someone to conform and I get that, but it's if you can blend in, it's easier on your emotions and everything else generally. If you can blend in for a couple of years, it's probably easier. I always, because people ask me this a lot and they say, oh, would you change things? And I think to myself, I would have liked to be able to be myself because I'm weird and I know that. And I wish I was able to just be like that in high school. So I would like to change that. But I know that if I didn't conform and that if I was like that, yeah, things would have been horrendous. So I know that as much as I didn't like it, that is something that helped me to survive, essentially. So the bit you would change is you would like schools to allow children to be themselves. Yeah. And if someone is being bullied for that, it's just to have the understanding because it's like, oh, well, you're being bullied and oh, well, you know, we'll, we'll sort it, but nothing ever gets done and things are just left. And especially for autistic pupils, things can be way worse. It's obviously, it's not great. You're being bullied because your hair is weird. It's obviously not ever going to be a great phrase to say. Yeah. But if that's the reason, yeah, as horrible or as stupid as that is, you kind of want to sit there and, and I know I've seen things where someone said, my, child, my child's been bullied because of this and somebody said this. It's like, what battle is it you're fighting? What's the reason? Yeah, you always have to look at, what is going on and choose your battles, I guess. Yeah. And it is, it's really, and sometimes parents really misunderstand what's going on. Yeah. And I think it's important that for me, one of the things I was bullied for was the fact that I was like 14, 15 and I still liked Barbie dolls. So I would go into school and I would totally just like ignore that. And I'd be talking about what went on over the weekend, boys, makeup and all that. And my parents gave me like a safe space at home where I could play with my Barbie dolls. So I think it's important that you have that at home so that you can come back, you yep. can regulate and just have that space that you need. It, it, and it's important that, yeah, there is. It's, I would generally say is you're not hiding that Barbie part of you. You're not, not removing, you're not destroying it. You're just realizing that actually if I brought that out here, it's not going to help me. It's going to be the opposite. Whereas if I just do it at home and everyone is great, then I'll do it at yeah, home. You still have the interest. It's just that you're not openly talking about it at school. Yeah. And it is, it does just, when you just talk about all this, it just is, sounds horrible. You are literally trying to 
you're not permanently change your child. You're just hiding parts of them. But the reason you're doing that is that there is less psychological impact. Yeah. Because I know now as an adult, I have a lot of like trauma from my childhood from being bullied so bad because I was undiagnosed and I didn't really understand what was going on and why I was bullied. And now I'm just like, it all makes sense. But when you're going through it, it's, it is, it's awful. And as a parent, all you want to do is protect your child. Yeah. And that's the thing is, one thing, my mum, I can't remember how it started, but I think my, um, my sisters didn't like skirts. So uh, this was years ago. So my sister, my mum was like, well, wear trousers. They're like, we're not allowed. And it was just years ago. They weren't allowed. And they literally, my mum looked at the policy and it's girls, girls should wear. And it said, but my mum noticed it didn't mention that boys couldn't wear skirts. So my mum's way of dealing with my sister's issue was to, she really wanted to send me to school in a skirt yeah. to prove a point for my sister. And I was going, okay, you're not crucifying me for my sister. That's nothing to do with me. You're not crucifying me. But she was adamant that I was going to be doing this. And I was literally a 12 year old going, yeah, this was my choice. So I wanted to do it. I'd, these days I'd carry it off. If you want me to wear a skirt right now and I needed to, I would go and I would strut. Not when I was 11 and not in that situation, it would have been not good. But yeah, it was that kind of that slight obliviousness of what the impact of doing certain things are. And I think that's what parents often have is, well, I want my child to be exactly who they are and they like Barbie. So I'm going to make sure she has a Barbie lunchbox, a Barbie this and Barbie that. And she should be proud of loving Barbie. Well, yes, yeah, she should. But going into that, it's literally just like hanging steak off a person and walking into the lion's den. Yeah. I mean, you can like something, but then going into school with, like you say, a Barbie lunchbox, you just know what's going to happen. <laughs> and that, in that thing, is, it's, it's that which part of your child are you protecting? Their, their love of Barbie or their mental health? Yeah, and, and that's exactly it masking and trying to fit in is hard enough on your mental health as it is. So I guess just giving your child space at home is a really big thing. So yeah, I, I know that my parents were really good in that aspect. I think because sometimes you have a, a child who is autistic and their parent is autistic. Um, and they're probably sitting there going, yeah, yeah, I get this. Yep, yeah, I struggle with that. Then you have a, parent, a child who is autistic, the parent's undiagnosed and going, well, we all struggle with this and doesn't really understand. And then you have the child who is autistic and the parent who isn't and doesn't get neurodiversity. It's, it really helps if you understand your child is autistic yeah. or ADHD and you don't tell them how it is. Yeah. You don't talk about Sammy the sperm and say, this is how it is when they're going, no, it's very different. It's that you've got to listen to your child. You've got to help them and respect them. And don't say, well, we all have to deal with this. Because that's you assuming they're going through the exact same process that you went yeah, through. Yeah, and that's not always the case. No. Just learning as I got older how every woman is different and they're experiencing differently and things like that. And yeah. 
that's it. Everyone has different experiences. And unless you ask, you don't know. No. So around girls and autism and puberty, is there anything we haven't covered? I don't think so. I think we have covered the main things, the physical growth, the going through periods and stuff, emotional development. And we've talked about like friendships and things like that because they are the main things, I guess, and education because schools need to do more. (laughs) We We know they need to do more. It's just having the resources to be able to make changes. Yeah. And it is when we say schools do more, I'm going to go back to that statistic I had that 60% didn't feel comfortable talking to a teacher. So this is a fun part. As a teacher, you can't even ask someone what would make this better because they probably don't want to talk to you about it. So in reality, you want one of those um, email addresses you can email concerns to, which is anonymous. Yeah, I had an incident with a teacher once and my teacher took me to one side this is when I was in doing my GCSEs and she said to me I don't think you're going to pass my class I think you're going to fail would you like me to phone your parents and explain to them and there's some teachers like that and they wonder oh well why don't the kids talk to me why aren't they comfortable talking to me and it's like situations like that so I definitely think having like an anonymous suggestion box or an email or something that you can send something to to say look this is what I'd like this is what I think would be helpful for me it would be really good because not everyone wants to talk to the teacher because most times the teachers don't get it no but the thing is if if there is that anonymous way of going this is what I'm struggling with and then what you get is 300 emails saying the same thing you know roughly what to change, but it doesn't mean you then sit there and go, it's always got to be in that, um, the way I've learned with my daughters is we have conversations around certain issues where we both go, let's not say the bit, but I know you're struggling. How can I help you? And they don't always want to discuss it. They don't want to hear it. Yeah. So sometimes we have those conversations where I say, what is it I can do? And sometimes it's nothing, but what they generally say is, my daughter will say, later on, thanks. Yeah. Because she gets the fact I sit there and I'm going, I don't know what to do, but what can I do means a lot to her, even though right in that moment, it's just not helping. There's nothing I can do. I think she just appreciates that I understand. And it's the fact that you're making the effort to ask her as well, what can I do? I think sometimes it can be really hard to know what will help. But the idea of being asked, it's like they actually want to listen. They actually do want to help. And I'm hoping it means that when my daughter does that, she goes, actually, this would help. She can ask. Yeah. She knows that you're there and you will help her. Yes. So thank you for coming on the show today. Really, really enjoyed it. And I, I do find it, if I didn't have my daughters, and I haven't had so many conversations with my daughter, I probably would have found this extremely awkward. <laughs> That's it. I don't... For me, because I've been through it and I've studied it and I talk about it a lot. People are always like, well, how do you do it? And I'm just like, it's it's really easy. (laughs) But for most people, it's like, no, no, it's really embarrassing. We can't talk about it. It's like like my wife goes, how's your week this week? I'm doing a podcast on periods on Monday. That'd be interesting. But it's just my daughter has just given me such an insight into, and some of the phrasing that she's used has been quite graphic that I've gone, yeah, you know what? I don't have a clue. 
just from what you said, I, I couldn't comprehend. So I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to do any of that. But I can just appreciate what she struggles with. And I'll respect that. And I think as a parent, until you actually come to face that, you have no idea. You're not prepared for it as a parent. No. I thought, yeah, I'm cool, Dad. I can do all this. And uh, yeah, the bra shopping. Oh, my girls are growing up. This is great. And then we hit the hot water bottles times. I'm going, why does Maisie, why does, why, why does she need a hot water bottle? Okay, we've hit that zone. And then it's just, how do I deal with this? And the answer is, I don't know. So I just go and ask her, how can I help? What do you need? And then, right, so she has a hot water bottle. And I'll go, oh, she's feeling really rough. I go, do you want your hot water bottle? she go, yes. So just knowing a hot water bottle is the first thing I reach for. And it's just a few things like that that I'm learning as she grows up. And it's not always going to be the same. There's various things you can try. And I think, actually, I think I just want to touch on, which all you women might be aware of this, but I as a bloke didn't know, so I'm going to mention this, that I think if you have bad period pains, you can go on the pill because that has, can have a big impact. Is that yes. correct? Please give me a woman's version <laughs> so I'd say it all correctly, please. Yeah, it can help. It can regulate your periods. You can make it so that you keep taking the pill because you're supposed to have a break, but you can keep taking it and you can like skip a period essentially, I think. But yeah, contraceptives and things for periods are, yeah, they work great. Yeah. And there's lots of different ones. So we tried one didn't work, made it worse. So you go try another. But my but so there's lots of things. It's just, yeah, if it isn't going great, you probably should go and talk to someone and find out what are all the options. Yeah, I think it's definitely helpful to speak to like your doctor because there's so many, like you say, it's trial and error with everything. There's so many different like pills you can take. It's just finding out which one works best for you. Yeah. And it can give you like a sense of regularity. It can help with like cramps, acne. There's loads of different things that it covers. So it's great. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> because, yeah. But my, my daughter actually made the pain worse and the cramps worse. So we then find it, yeah, it reduced, come off. But I think that's now left a bit of a negative connotation in my daughter's head. So she might not want to try another one because it might be the same as that or it could actually get even worse. So then she's now got to be psychologically ready to maybe try another one. Which I totally understand. I have had so many issues with things like that that I was on the pill for ages and then because I had, I think I had an increased risk of stroke or something. I had to be, I was on something that worked and was great and I had to be taken off it. And then I had the implant in my arm. But then because of that, I was on my period every day for about eight months. Wow. And that didn't work. So it is finding what works. <laughs> yeah, it's a process. That's the thing is I'm going, wow. And I probably get 20% of what you just yeah. said. <laughs> <laughs> I understand 20% or even less of what that phrase meant. That's the thing I've learned is when my, yeah, when something's said, it's, oh, you believe, yeah, okay, yeah. No, there's, it's all the bits which link into yeah. that. Yeah. 
So, yes, really enjoyed today. I've got some uh, links from Victoria to her Facebook and Instagram and stuff. So there's various conversations. And she's also given me um, some links, including an autism-friendly guide to periods and other stuff. So um, you'll find all those links in the show notes along with uh, Victoria's contact details. Um, so thank you for listening to the show. If you haven't subscribed already, please click on that subscribe button. You can follow us on social media. On Twitter, we're at The Sendcast. On Facebook, The Sendcast. On Instagram, The Sendcast. And uh, moving away from periods and puberty back to education, if you are struggling to show progress, if your assessment process is overcomplicated, takes too long, or you just want to see what is available, have a look at the B-Squared website or book a free online meeting with me so I can take you through our products. We have a range of assessment products to help all schools show small sets of progress for pupils with SEND. And if you are a school in England, still confused by the engagement model, not sure about the pre-key stage standards or anything else around assessment, please get in contact. If you're a school in Wales and the curriculum for Wales and your progress, get in contact. You can find out all about our online training, our conferences. You can read our blog or watch our webinars. This is all on the B Squared website. And you'll find a link to the website and how to book a meeting with me in the show notes. So thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Sendcast. It's goodbye from me. Goodbye and thank you for listening. (laughs) Bye, everyone.